Welcome to the Lot Carey Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, pastor of the First Baptist Church of New Market in Piscataway, New Jersey, and learning coordinator for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. The Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving weekly podcast grows from a multi-year journey among pastors committed to flourishing in ministry. This is a project of the Lot Carey Foreign Mission Society and is made possible through the generous support from the Lilly Endowment. Learn more about Lot Carey and how it helps churches to extend the Christian witness throughout the world at lotcarey.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot org. Join us for weekly conversations with pastoral thought leaders who share wisdom from the Black church for the whole church. Let's join Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, Associate Dean for Vocational Formation and Christian Witness at Duke Divinity School and the Project Director for Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. We rejoice to welcome Dr. Cynthia Hale, the organizing and lead pastor of the Ray of Hope Church in Decatur, Georgia. Dr. Hale, thank you so much for joining us in our conversation around flourishing in ministry today. Thank you so much, Dr. Goldley. It is my joy to be here with you and Dr. McClary. Wonderful. Well, uh, we've had over 50 pastors uh, for a couple of years or more who've been on a pilgrimage toward flourishing in ministry. And one of the metaphors we use around flourishing is that flourishing could be understood like a tree. Sometimes there are leaves. uh, Sometimes there are blossoms. Other times the leaves are falling, and sometimes there are only bare limbs and branches, but still the tree is healthy, alive, and flourishing. Could you talk to us a little about how you imagine or think about flourishing in ministry? Sure. Well, when I think about flourishing in ministry, primarily I think about it as the word suggests, growing vigorously, prospering, and being successful. Thriving in ministry for me is having a evolving or clear sense of vision, and a mission that you're passionate about that comes from God so that you know where you are going, where you are headed, and you're not floundering rather than flourishing in ministry. There are times when I've found that the mission is more aspirational than actual, and that is when you have to work hard and bring the people on board and help them to understand that we must participate together in doing ministry that is faithful to God. Flourishing in ministry for me is also about growing vigorously. It's spending time intentionally um, challenging myself or being challenged by others to grow. It's being stretched. (laughs) Um, It is making mistakes and learning from them. It's falling or failing 
and then having to get back up again over and over and over again because we learn from our mistakes. We learn what not to do the next time. Um, flourishing in ministry is also about working hard, planting seeds, watering, nurturing them, and then being able to experience the fruit of your labor. Um, that's where I am right now. After 30, this is my 35th year in ministry. Before the pandemic, though, I have to admit that I was in a dry season. This tree had no leaves. <laughs> and I wondered if my ministry was making a difference. Was it over? Have I reached the winter season of my ministry? The end. And was it just going to die? <laughs> Um, I didn't know it was just such a lull that I was in, but then the pandemic hit. And if you can believe this, I took time to reflect and think about what was really happening in my own life, in the ministry. Um, I took time to cry, to weep over where I was and um, to think seriously about what is ministry for me? And a miracle happened. <laughs> it really wasn't such a miracle, but it happens in the spring after a cold, hard winter where I saw nothing happening. The people began to give and work and do ministry at a whole nother level. And that invigorated me. It excited me in the midst of a pandemic. <laughs> and so that for me is flourishing in ministry. Yes, there are times when the trees are bare and then there are other times when the buds start to happen again and the buds started happening again in the midst of the pandemic for me recently. That is an amazing testimony. And thank you for your transparency in sharing yeah. that. Even a pastor who has been uh, in a robust and growing ministry over decades, uh, you yeah. said 35 years, I think. 35 years. Can you believe that? That's a, that's a blessing. Uh, and you, you've been able to plant and water and see some things grow and then plant again. Uh, but to hear, to hear, uh, someone with your uh, record uh, of pastoral uh, presence to acknowledge sometimes you've had to pause and wonder is something that probably is surprising to some people. So it sounds like um, no matter how effective you are, still there can be times for reflection. Am I hearing you right? You're hearing me exactly right. And to be able to acknowledge that um, is what is helpful and healing. And that's what it means again to flourish in ministry because if you hide those times from yourself and from others, then you will die. At least that's what I believe. You will shrivel up, you will um, become paralyzed in ministry. And I certainly did not want that to happen. And as I cried out to God 
um, I kept saying, God, you promised me, you promised me that I would end strong. And he did make that promise. And though I am a woman of great faith, that low period was a time of doubt. I doubted myself, but I also doubted God. And I have to admit that. And, but I, I really believe, Dr. Godley, that that's a part of the journey. I mean, like you said earlier, it's not just thriving, it's striving. <laughs> and it's, it's working hard. It's dealing with your demons or with those things that, and the pandemic um, was a perfect time with all of the pain, the drama, the trauma, not just from COVID, but the social unrest. I was quarantined at home. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't run away from myself. So I sat in my family room, my prayer corner. I prayed. I cried. I laughed. I reflected. I took time to be with me. And I thought about some things that I had never thought about before, or at least not in a long time, because I was too busy. Too busy working on success or whatever. I thought was successful. Thank you for sharing that. We've been exploring with the pastors in this pilgrimage with an idea that we talk about as a formula for flourishing. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that if a pastor's leadership capacity plus service context yields the ministry content, we believe there's a higher probability for flourishing. Mm -hmm. In other words, if the content is built out of capacity and context, rather than trying to drag and drop what somebody else somewhere else has done, then there's a higher probability for flourishing. So can you talk to us about how your context of service informs your content of ministry? Sure. Well, I came to Ray of Hope, or actually I came to DeKalb County in Georgia 36 years ago. And I came here to start the church. Um, I was a young professional at 36 years of age and um, on fire about doing ministry. DeKalb County was the second wealthiest African-American county in the nation at that time, next to Prince George County in Maryland. Young professionals, progressive African-Americans who had moved to the city or who, were, who had already come uh, to go to school and then settled here, they were coming in mass to DeKalb County. And so here you had all these young professionals, movers and shakers who wanted to change the world. 
and a marriage happened with this young, <laughs> professional, excited pastor. I say it was a match made in heaven because I had a vision to impact and transform this present world into the kingdom of God. I had a vision to deal with injustice, to deal with hunger and homelessness and human trafficking. I had a vision to see all of this change in my lifetime. That's how naive I was. <laughs> but the people who were coming to the church were wide open and available, and they wanted to see the same thing happen, the people in the community. And so um, as I preached and taught about the kinds of things that God was calling us to, I believe you have to preach where you want people to go. And so the people got excited and we started making ministry happen. They came with proposals. Every time I had a vision, they would get on board with it. Now, some of them were slow, but gradually the ministries began to really evolve. And I have to tell you that Decatur or DeKalb County, where I now am, is not, where we still are rather, is not the same wealthy community that it was. Portions are. But now we have homelessness right around the corner. And the high school has um, men and others coming to pimp the young girls. And so, and then there is gun violence. So we have all of that. And we have evolved as a church. While we started out as a justice church and outreach, we continue that. But we've had to become much more intentional about our efforts. I'm not suggesting that it was cute back then, but it was cuter than it is now. It is tougher. But the context of ministry calls us to respond to it. And we can do no less because that's who God developed us to be as a church and me as a pastor. It sounds like uh, you have experienced a very fluid and dynamic context uh, that it's not yes. static. And so it's not like you could master it once and all and have it all the time, but that you've had to, you and the church have had to adapt uh, and adjust. Can you think of maybe one example of ministry that you you had to do in recent times that maybe you wouldn't have done before? Um, I think the biggest one is the, um, well, it's changed. Let me speak of it like this. We have always provided food for hungry people, but we had to look for the hungry people before. We had to go to downtown Atlanta to find homeless men and women, hungry people. Now, during this pandemic, what we discovered was the food pantry that we had was not adequate. We are now having to purchase food monthly 
to provide food every other week to about 250, 300 families. So we literally have a drive-in grocery store. And so that ministry has evolved. And I mentioned earlier, the human trafficking. We didn't think anything about human trafficking um, for at least 20 years of our ministry. And then Atlanta became the hub because we're an international city with an international airport. And so when that happened, I began to have this tremendous burden for, and because I'd see it on TV or I'd read about it in the paper. I began to have this tremendous burden. And little did I know that when I was having this burden, that members of my women's ministry, the Daughters of Destiny had the same burden. They came to me and said, Pastor, can we start this ministry? I said, do it. And they have. And so they have developed this ministry where they go into the jails to meet many of the women who have been arrested for prostitution, because many of them get um, charged with prostitution, even though they are sex slaves. Literally, somebody has sold them into slavery. And um, we train the women, give them skills, hoping that they will leave the lifestyle. Some of them do. We've had rescues. We have even helped to develop a home in our area because we did not have one in our particular area for uh, the women. And so we helped to develop that. And um, one of the rooms is named Ray of Hope, as a matter of fact, in the home. Um, I have never seen it because you can't go to the place. You have to be very careful about the privacy and secrecy. But um, I know about it. And so, and on Sunday, five of the women came to our worship service. Um, they came in an unmarked truck uh, van and they worshiped and then they left. But I had an opportunity to meet them. A word to our listeners, Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast is funded by the Lilly Endowment through its Thriving in Ministry initiative. We'll be right back with more from the interview. Since 1897, the Lot Carey Global Christian Missional Community has helped churches to extend the Christian witness around the world. We collaborate with indigenously-led communities to bear good and faithful witness to Christ Jesus through ministries of evangelism, compassion, empowerment, and advocacy in Africa, Asia, the Caribbean, Europe, North America, Oceania, and South America. Together, we are touching lives with transforming love. You too can help to extend the Christian witness throughout the world. Visit us at lotcary.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot O-R-G. Thanks for praying for and investing in the good news globally through word and deed. 
Welcome back to the Lot Carry Podcast, Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, the Learning Coordinator of Lot Carry's Thriving in Ministry program. Each week in this podcast, my colleague, Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, interviews a prominent Black pastoral leader to gain insight for flourishing in ministry. Dr. Cynthia L. Hale, the organizing and lead pastor of the Ray of Hope Church. Can you say something about how your capacity as a pastor contributes to your content of of ministry? Sure. You know, one of my favorite quotes by John Maxwell is that a church, an organization can go no higher than its leader. And I firmly believe that a leader can either serve as a lid to stymie ministry or keep it at a certain level or propel it into heights unknown um, based on one's capacity. And so one of the ways that I have seen um, my church grow and develop based on my own capacity is the fact that I'm known as an administrator. Um, I, I, well, my friends call me a master administrator and I love administration. And so what I've noticed is that the people that I draw to the church are administrators. They are leaders, you know, so we have this lean mean machine of a church that have people who can do anything. I mean, they can, we dream up a program, they make it happen. And so in that regard, our church has done quite well because that's who I am. I am, um, I love to do strategic planning and I love to set goals and execute goals. Those are my strong suits. And so that really has been developed within our church. And I have drawn people who are like that. On the other hand, (laughs) there are some things that I'm not so good at. (laughs) And so what I've had to do is to learn through the years to surround myself with people who are good. There are folks who know you from afar and uh, we all love and respect you in the ministry that you lead. But somebody would be helped to hear you say a word about some area of leadership where you've had to work on developing. Is there something that comes to mind in terms of something that you had to kind of bear down and work on and strengthen as a leader? Yes. My pastor, Alvin O'Neill Jackson, told me that I needed to always maintain a professional distance in terms of my relationships with members. That didn't mean that I couldn't care about the members and provide them with the kind of attention that they needed, but I needed to be clear that I needed to set boundaries so that I didn't develop codependencies. I did not, I did not respond inappropriately or in an unhealthy way to their requests or their needs. And I have to tell you that I 
am a passionate individual and I love people. I love being with people and nurturing people and spending time with people. And I could easily become too involved. And so I had to learn how to make certain decisions and set boundaries. And I'm still working on boundaries. I'm still working on saying no. Thank you for, again, your honesty, because somebody needed to hear that it's okay to say no. Yeah. Uh, Somebody's just being nibbled away at because they don't know how to set boundaries. Um, And we want to be generous, but we also have to be responsible with that generosity. So um, there are a lot of us who need to be reminded of that. What brings you the most joy as a pastor? Spending time with my people. Particularly today, it's my young people. You know, having been at the church now 35 years, as you can imagine, I am baptizing the babies, the grandchildren, (laughs) and the children of those that I perform their weddings. And so what I do often is invite a couple of the young people to go to have lunch with me after church. Or um, if they have a game, I used to do this a lot when we were first starting because we were so small and an intimate connection. We're a lot larger now. But if they have a game or cotillion or whatever, I'll go because I want to celebrate them. Now, I can't go to every graduation, but one of our team goes to the graduations in the schools to make sure that they are covered and know that they are loved. and. You know, one of the things that I was blessed with recently was one of my young people went to his mother and said, mom, I'm about to go off to college. I haven't been baptized. And I know the pastor has had to shut down the church and we're not doing baptism, but could you please ask her if she could baptize me before I go to college? And when his mother came and told me that, I said, we are starting baptisms again. (laughs) I love being a pastor. I don't know anything that I enjoy more. It's a blessing to hear a pastor of three and a half decades (laughs) uh, and counting uh, to, to say I enjoy my people. I do. What about the people who, in my um, way of saying it, give you opportunities to pray? (laughs) I have loads of them. (laughs) Here's the joke around the church. I say I have a church full of nuts, peanuts, coconuts, cashew nuts, (laughs) pistachio nuts. And everybody laughs. Yes, I have people who challenge me and they teach me. They have taught me through the years not to explode, but to calm down. I've learned to listen. I've learned how not to respond to everything that I'm told 
or that's said to me. I've learned not to take it personal, even when it is personal. I've also had plenty of help. When you're a long-term pastor like I am, you are the queen. Now, there are certain things you don't say to the queen. And so my members will say, you need to move on. <laughs> that was foolish and you know it. Don't take that to her. And so I get shielded from a lot of things today. It's wonderful. Because <laughs> people will get on your nerves. <laughs> and um, you have to learn how to, to manage those people and manage yourself. What's the best advice somebody gave you about flourishing in ministry? Be yourself. No one can beat you being you. Flourishing in ministry is not about trying to be like the latest um, celebrated minister, pastor. You are not trying to be a celebrity. You are trying to be the best you that you can be. And so I heard that at a time that, again, I was struggling with, okay, who am I supposed to be in this setting? DeKalb County. I mean, lots of celebrities all around. What does it mean for me to pastor here? And so I went to a colleague. We had lunch one day, and I said, you know, I'm really struggling with this. And he said, why? He said, the people who come to your church are there because they want to be with you. They want to hear from you. They want to be led by you. So you don't have to be anybody else because if you start doing that, you're going to run your folk away. I laughed. I said, what? He said, yeah, they're looking for you. They, they're not looking for anybody else. If they wanted to be with me, they'd come to my church. And um, once I got clear about that, what you see is what you get. If you're going to give someone one good piece of advice about flourishing in ministry or thriving in ministry, what would you like to say to them today? Let your imagination run wild. Have fun. Be fearless. Because the way things are today, even though we think that they are drastically different. It's not much different from when I started Ray of Hope 35 years ago. Things are always changing, uncertain. And there are some who say we have to be adaptive, and I agree, flexible, open to change. All of that's true. But you also have to imagine more for ministry. Imagine, imagine more for your life and not be afraid of failure because remember the God we serve is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask for or imagine according to God's mighty power that is at work within us. So at whatever stage you happen to be in ministry, keep dreaming and making it happen. 
Dr. Cynthia L. Hale, the organizing and lead pastor of the Ray of Hope Church. Thank you, Dr. Hale, for the gift of your time and your wisdom in talking about flourishing in ministry today. Thank you, Dr. Godley. I appreciate you. Thank you for joining us today for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, a weekly podcast from Lot Carey as we listen in on conversations with prominent pastoral thought leaders. Join us next week for a conversation with a new guest and fresh insights. Wisdom from the Black Church for the whole church. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving is produced in partnership with Good Faith Media. Music by Makita McQuarrie. Share the word with those who need to hear it. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen online at lotcarry.org. Thank you.